This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Rain Together, the show that puts the conversation into conversational pace. The recommended speed for most of our running. Depending on fitness level, that would mean anything from fast walking all the way up to fast, for most of us, running. Many runners think that the act of running is easy. It's just a sequence of alternate single leg hops forward. However, running is a very tricky and complex set of movements which require the careful coordination of hundreds of muscles, multiple senses, and of refined ability to balance. When we think of necessary senses, we don't think of taste or smell or even hearing. We think primarily about sight. We need to know where we are going to avoid hazards and to move in the direction we need to travel. My guest today has been blind for 35 years, and yet he has run in the last few years seven marathons. How is that possible? My other guest today will help explain how. They will bring running together to a new level. With a New York marathon (laughs) medal under her belt, we have Rosie Hay, the guide, and Paul Barclay, the runner. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pete. Great. Starting with you, Rosie, just fill me in on the last time you ran a long distance. So I went over to New York to guide Douglas Chi, who is a 75-year-old visually impaired athlete. He's got 5% vision in one eye and completely blind in the other. So I went over with Brittany and we guided him through the New York Marathon, which was an incredible experience. Unbelievable, yeah. So... It was an atmosphere like I haven't experienced before and a chaos that I haven't experienced before. But, yeah, I couldn't be prouder of crossing a finish line with with Douglas at 75. It's a huge feat for someone half his age. So it was very, very cool. That is amazing. Yes. And full disclosure, from my part, I have never run a marathon. Really? Well, once you've talked to Paul Barclay, <laughs> you're going to feel inspired to do so. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact... Paul, you've done six marathons now, I believe. The most recent one was back in Dunedin. Is that right? I've done seven now. You've, the, oh, the, sorry, oh, you've done most, seven. The most recent was Mount Cook, just over a month ago. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So let me put this out there to the listeners that I want to do a marathon with you, Paul. That is so good. Right, okay. Yeah. Join you in a marathon. That will be my first marathon. Oh, my goodness, what have I put myself into? It's out there. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So, Paul, I'm a sighted person. I've Mm -hmm. always been sighted. And I can't imagine to to understand how it would be to run without sight. So, thanks, Pete. So, I had a car accident in my early 20s, so went instantly from fully sighted to totally Mm. blind. I had run when I was at school. I'd run cross-countries. Even one year I made the Otago Secondary School 
track champs. Oh, wow. And so obviously that's a long, long time ago now. <laughs> um, and so running, I guess it's muscle memory. And once you've run with a little bit of training, anybody can run again. But I guess the, the key difference is that I rely on Rosie and the other guides that I run with to tell me what's in the way in front of me. So the trust is built up with the guide, which means that I can run freely, smoothly, not tensed up because they're telling me what's in front of me. Yeah. So the, the marathons I've done, um, some have been on the road all the way. Uh, Dunedin was on the road all the way. Mount Cook was on the road all the way. Some have been off, off-road. Um, Monaco and Nelson, there was a lot of track, and that was a lot harder. Yeah. Because you just can't get into a rhythm because you're all sort of tensed up waiting for, is, is there going to be firm terrain underneath my feet? Is there going to be loose stones? Are yeah. we going to have to change direction or stop suddenly? And so that just means a lot more concentration because you just can't run as freely. Hmm. Those longer distances, if you're not able to run freely, I mean, as I said, it's difficult enough for a sighted sure. runner, that tensing, I would imagine, and Rosie, you'd probably understand this as well, is it's going to slow you down. It's mm. not you're going to slow mm-hmm. you down. Yeah. It's going to wear you down. Yeah. Last Sunday, I ran the half marathon out at Rolleston, and it was a mixture of on the road, but quite a lot on the footpaths. So every time we come to a road crossing, the running guide has to count down three, two, one step. Mm. And that just means not quite the same rhythm. Also, not sure, is it a smooth step? Is it a, is it, is it a drop? And the more tired I get, the further through I am, the more tense I am with yeah. how those steps are. So using that as an example, I'm not sure. We must have done, I don't know, 15 road crossings on each 5K lap. So there's four, 15, say 60 road crossings. Even if there's only four or five seconds each time, that slows down quite a lot and does tire out as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so for me, road running is much better. I admit it's harder on feet, but it's much smoother, more natural, more uninterrupted running on the road. Mm. Yeah. We're talking about essentially a, well, a race. So Rosie, when it comes to training... 16 weeks, 24 weeks, 32 weeks, a a very long period of time in which we're preparing for something as significant as a marathon. So from a guiding point of view, and I'll get your um, point of view first, and then obviously from Paul, as far as organising all of that training, because one run a week's not going to be enough. No, so Paul does use several guides, but Mm -hmm. if you're the guide that's doing an event, you're not just going to take the glory of the event, as we've discussed. You're going to also put the hard work in behind it for the training. So, yeah, it's about working together. Paul is very, very organised. I'm not so much. So (laughs) (laughs) it's very nice to be supporting someone who is organised because it means you always know what you're doing. I do my running around my shift work and you know, my two kids and everything like that. So it's good to have that organisation. And we do the long runs together and then Paul might use another couple of guides in the week to do just 10K training runs or 15K training runs. So, yeah, we go out and we do 35K training run like you would if you were training for your own marathon. So wow. it's a lot, but it's, um, you know, we're, we're friends. We're, mm-hmm. We chat about life and all I'm doing is running with a friend sometimes telling them where to go, mm-hmm. but we're also have a lovely friendship. So right. Yeah. It's in the name of the show, who are running together. I mean, this is literally 
what it's about, where you're talking about two people literally running together? Because you're actually connected, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. So we have a tether. A tether, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we have a tether that we hold together, but it's mainly a verbal thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trust you've got to build up between. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I respect so much in these athletes mm-hmm. is the trust that they give me. I can't even imagine how hard that must be but Paul's so confident and we go running and and it's like I've got to keep mindful that I've got to be telling him what to do because he does it so naturally which is incredible Yeah, and I think that's something that I think perhaps reminds us of the importance in life of trust not specifically to do with running but essentially everything that we do requires a level of trust doesn't it if you're if you dare I say not on your game, then something could happen to Paul. We make mistakes and yeah. um, I try to do the best that I can do. But sometimes I'm tired or, you know, events in my family have unfolded and, yeah. and, and it can be a little bit harder. Nicola, who is also an athlete and she did a bit of training with me, she said, if I trip over because of something you've done or said, I trip over at my house every day. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to feel guilty for that. Yeah. And I think that really let me relax more into being mm. a guide because I was actually, it took me a lot of time actually to get confident at what I was mm. doing because I constantly felt like I wasn't good enough for it. Mm. But over time and running with different people, and especially like Paul, such a positive person, it's it's quite uplifting, you know. Yeah. So I've learned a lot. And that's why for the longer events, I usually have two guides yeah. so they can swap in and swap out mm-hmm. because it would be very hard for any guide to be on the guiding game for the whole 42Ks. Yeah. For me, that's a bit over four hours mm. of, of, to complete a marathon. So fairer that they swap in and out so they can, yeah, not switch off but not mm. have to be as switched on all the time. It's a big concentration angle yeah. and it, it is very much a case of trusting yourself and trusting each other. And Paul was saying as far as the dare I say, tensing up. That's what you were probably experiencing early on as well, Rosie. That, yes. Um, yeah. Paul has to trust me, but I have to trust myself, yeah. which I never would have considered mm. was part of the guiding journey. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other piece also, um, Rosie does tend to be too hard on herself, might have missed that slight corner or didn't talk about that stone on the footpath. Mm. Well, that happens. And I think part of the, the trust is that I know the guides are they're gonna lapse occasionally as well. And that's just how how it is. But mm. thankfully we haven't had any major mishaps. We probably won't. But if mm. we do, that happens. Yeah. And so that's that's just life. We are running at what, eleven Ks an hour, roughly. So particularly in Hagley Park where we're running, mm. there's cyclists suddenly change direction, yeah. there's there's uh, e scooters, there's dogs off leads that cost and everything. So the, the guides, rather than, as well as saying what's right in front, they've got to be looking what's coming from each yeah. side. Um, particularly dogs off leads and little kids on trikes or bikes are so unpredictable. Yeah, It's interesting you should mention that because I was running in Burnside Park and just running around, it's a big, great big park, mm-hmm. And I saw these two dogs come racing towards me. They could see me very, very clearly. I could see them very, very clearly. I went to get out of their way. They changed direction. And one of them barreled straight into me and knocked me over. Mm. Now, I'm you know, reasonably a confident runner and I'm not like tiny, not like Brent, for example, my, my son, who would have been knocked you know, yeah. head over heel. And it's really difficult from a 
guide's point of view, I'd imagine, to second guess what unpredictable things are going to yeah. do. Predict, talk, over-communicate is what mm-hmm. I've learned, and <laughs> be safe. If you need to walk a couple of steps, we're not entering the Olympics, it's exactly. fine, and yeah. and I've got to remind myself of that. We went around Hagley Park when the blossoms were out and everyone was taking selfies, yeah. <laughs> and I took Paul down that part, and it was just unrunnable. Yeah. I said, yep. Let, we just walked out, you know, it's, it, and that's fine. Yeah. And, and the, the most important command of all is stop. So yes. no matter what we're talking about, if we've got to stop, Rosie just says stop. Mm-hmm. And, and that's stop quickly. And he can yep. stop yep. within yeah. two steps. It's <laughs> quite remarkable. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, and I guess that that's the whole piece that we learn to trust and to work together, but things may go wrong. And none of the guides go out to deliberately make us have an accident. If it happens, it happens. Mm. That's just just how it is. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to Achilles, how long have you been involved? How long have you actively been involved in running as far as your running return is concerned? I had played two other disabled sports. Mm -hmm. I played blind cricket for New Zealand and I played a game called goalball for New Zealand as well. Oh, cool. And then... When I, I played goalball till I was 40 for New Zealand and then said, okay, I've done, been there, done that. I kept playing at a club level till I was into my 50s and then we ran out of players. We didn't have enough players left to actually have a proper game. So Achilles had been going here in Christchurch for probably five years until I started five years ago. So I'd done no running at all for probably 30 years. And then wow. so my early 50s started again. Ran Christchurch Half Marathon was the first one and then did a few more and a few more and then the first marathon was probably three years ago, I think. I'm a person who likes to have goals, likes to mm. challenge myself. So, oh, well, I'll have a go to marathon someday. I've done, I don't know, six or seven half marathons by then. Let's just see how a marathon goes. It went okay. Did another couple and said, okay, what's my next goal going to be? And I was supposed to be going to New York back in 2020 but COVID put paid to that. Yeah. Um, so that is still a goal on the horizon somewhere. But in the meantime, I've set myself the goal of running all of the road marathons in the South Island. So I've done seven of them now. There's just two more to go, Bola and Invercargill. And then we'll see what the goal or challenge might be after that. So is Bola the next one? So that's, was it late February? February? Yeah, late, late February. February. So that, that's the one you're training for now, uh, is it? Or p- maybe? P- potentially. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not a great hot weather runner. Yeah, bull is going to be February, which means training through December, January, which I'm not looking forward to. But if I want to run Buller sometime, I'm going to have to do that training. And that's just get over it, Paul. You're going to have to train in the summer if you want to run Buller Marathon sometime. And every year I'm a year older, and so it's going to be a bit harder to do the training. And that's one of the pieces we talked before about build up to a training regime. I probably look at about, two months as a build-up towards a marathon. Mm-hmm. I've got enough base fitness from running anyway because I have to be careful I don't overtrain and end up with crock knees or crock yeah. ankles because being blind, walking is pretty important to me mm. like for mobility, so I need to be able to make sure I can still walk rather than thinking I'll run myself into the ground because I can still jump in the car and drive somewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, it would be remarkable for anyone – I think, starting in their 50s with running was a distant memory kind of Mm. thing for you to having achieved so much 
so soon. So you've done how many half marathons now? I think 15, I think I worked out the other day. 15 half marathons. 15 halves and seven falls, and then as, as, as well as a couple of 15Ks and that sort of yeah. thing as well. I feel very inadequate in your <laughs> company, I have to say. For <laughs> well, it's it, it, apart from needing someone to tell me what's going on, mm. I can still run. So yeah. there's nothing physically wrong with my ability to run. I'm very lucky. I think I've got pretty good running genes. My, my father was a pretty quick track runner in his younger days. Yeah. And so I've got build. I'm pretty lean, relatively mm. tall. And so that, that does help. But there's obviously still got to do the training, do the fitness, the, the build up to them, and also have the motivation to do them as well. Yeah, of course. And I'm a driven person. I'm a goal orientated. I'm organised. As Rosie said, I look at putting a whole schedule together. This is what I'd like to do build up each weekend. This is how far I'd like to run, whether it's a flat or a summit road, whatever it might be. And then it's a matter of, as Rosie said earlier as well, the guides, it's not just turning up on the day of the event. I need to do them to help me with the training as well because I mm. can't train by myself. I need, exactly. Every run I do, I need to have a guide with me. Mm. And so therefore the, the, the training is probably more important than the actual event. I think I'd, yep. I'd, I'd, I'd have no difficulty finding someone to run the day with me mm. on the event, but it's a, the build-up is, is probably more important. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and that's Perfect. the emotional connection I always <coughs> find with running a marathon. It's what you've put in behind it, yeah. the support from your family, the hours that you've put in, mm-hmm. the hard work, the training, the struggle, the hustle. Yeah. And so for me, that's that's why a marathon distance is an emotional thing that I feel proud about doing Mm. but to do that with Paul is like a whole another level of feeling proud you know exactly yeah because you're not only are you contributing to your own goal setting or your your achievements but you're also helping with with somebody else's in a very personal way yeah and just knowing what Paul's put into it Mm. and Mm. then you know I felt that yeah, you know we've run two full marathons mm-hmm. together in the last few months, and you are literally sharing that experience, literally yeah. crying when yeah. I finish because <laughs> I feel so proud of what he's done. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. So, what got you into guiding? I've been running guiding. personally mm-hmm. for about fifteen years. I like, got a little bit like Paul in the sense that I did a bit in school, and, mm-hmm. but never really felt I was any good at it just self-confidence I guess and then I started finding it just for fitness Mm -hmm. and then set a goal to do a half marathon and that kind of thing so I see I saw Achilles people at races you know the bright colors and you see guides you see athletes and the inspiration that I have got from that I was I want to be involved with this Mm. like running is my passion and if I can support somebody else to do that I know how much it's been a therapy and a feel good for my life personally. Yeah. If I can do that and help someone else, why would I not do that? You know, so I've loved it and I've got so much more out of it than I ever thought I would. You know, oh, yeah. it's like it's not just making someone feel good. It's like mm-hmm. I feel uplifted. I feel it's, it's lovely. Yeah. 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 If I can just add there as well, running is generally a pretty lonely event mm. because generally people are running by themselves. And so because I can't, it means that the guides, when they're running with me, are not running by themselves either, which helps get through for each of us the harder parts when the body says, I just want to give up here, but yeah. you're running with someone else, so you keep going. In the social chat, the conversation when we're running, 
does help the time pass as well. <laughs> oh, it really yeah. does. Yeah. You know, I'm being a shift worker, I do a lot of my running on my own and my yeah. long runs have always been on my own. I don't mm. have anyone else that runs at the same pace as me or yeah. what have you. So it actually is really nice to have a social outlet as well and a chat with a friend, you know. Yeah. It's, it's lovely. Yeah right there, close to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not have a bit of a chat because it's supposed to be the majority of our training. Yeah. As they say, it's supposed yeah. to be a conversational yeah. pace. Yeah. So it is an opportunity for well, to fix all the wrongs in the world. Yeah. And Paul hears it all from me, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that that's one of the things I really enjoy is that the pool of guides that I've got, they'll have different life experiences. They, yeah. they have different jobs, they do different things, they run different events and have amazing conversations with them. Rosie's a cabin crew person for mm-hmm. New Zealand. One of the other ones is a vet nurse. One's an early childhood recruiter. One's an accountant. Uh, another one's a retired sort of telecommunications type person. So their life experiences are great, and people is what makes the world what it is. So being able yeah. to run with those people and share part of what their life experiences are helps get through those 30K runs when you don't really want to be out there, but you've gone because you know you need to. Mm. I think sometimes I see a lot of runners, and you probably would have seen this as well, Rosie, a lot of runners with their headphones on. I mean, maybe they'll listen to a podcast, who knows? <laughs> Your podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not, but anyway. And that's all good. But I think we go out running sometimes as a family, so my two kids my, and my wife, and we find whenever we do that, we find it a great experience just to have a chat, have a chat about the day, it really doesn't matter how far we go or how fast we go. It feels like the running was a bonus. So yeah, look, um, I used runs. to rely on music myself, but I think you lose a lot of the experience mm-hmm. in a race if yeah. you can't hear what's going on around you. And for us, trying to navigate a race being blind and with a guide, mm-hmm. I'm saying blind runner on your left, you know, on your right, and they can't hear me. So... Mm. You know, it, they discourage you wearing headphones, but I truly understand why now because it, it makes it, it's very, very hard for us when Absolutely. people can't hear you. Absolutely. But I do think I would encourage people to, to try racing without, without Share headphones. the experience. Yeah. Now, for you, Paul, we hear so much about people who have lost a sense mm-hmm. and then the other senses tend to compensate. Mm-hmm. And particularly, I believe it's particularly common for people who have lost sight to become super sensitive hearing-wise, for example. Have you noticed that for yourself? Yeah, it's something that I'm not sure where I ever heard this research from, but someone who has all five of these senses working, 70% of the sensory intake is visual. So for those of us that have got no vision at all, the other senses, can say, compensate. Mm. They pick up more information, but probably can't fully compensate for what's not there. Yeah. So I'm constantly listening for what's going on round about. When I'm out walking around the city by myself, I'm constantly using wind direction, sun direction, mm. which way the traffic's going to remember is this a one-way street or a two-way street yeah. as to keeping track of where I am. So I walk lots. I probably walk, I don't know, 10 k's a day, most days as well as going for a run. Yeah. So... In an average week, I'm probably on my feet for 100 k's, and a lot of that's just walking by myself around town. So the other senses are there. Part of it is about trusting your senses, and rather than thinking, I'm not sure what that is, so I won't actually go with it, but trusting myself to be correct 
when I'm looking at using those other senses. So yeah. hearing's the most significant one, touch is probably next, smell last and then probably next and then probably taste is the one that's right. used least. So walking around town, I'll use the smell to smell um, shoe shops. They have certain smells in them. You can hear a coffee machine going in a cafe. Okay, it's a cafe there. Music blaring out of a shop, it means it's probably a clothing shop and just put some pieces mm. like And bike shops have certain smells, all those sorts of things too. Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? The things that we just, as you said, yeah. don't pick up because no. it's yeah. being swamped by the visual. Yeah, yeah. You, you, well, yeah. You, well, you don't need to. Yeah. You, yeah. Your vision's giving you the information that you need, so why do you need to worry about for with your hearing? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's amazing how in tune Paul is. Like, we'll be up on Summit Road running, and he just knows from the camber. I don't even think about mm. what my foot feels like. But Paul knows we're turning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, it's quite incredible, really. Yeah. But, but part of it is because I'm getting nothing visual when I'm running, to put it bluntly, it is quite boring. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, you're making the other senses work to give me something to focus on. Mm. And so um, while I'm, I am listening to the, what the guides are saying, but if we're running along a flat, straight piece of road, they don't, they don't just say anything. So yeah. therefore, I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm constantly in an event recalculating how far we've gone, how quick we've gone, yeah. how much further we've got to go, how far from my plan of the next gel, the previous one, the water stations and everything else as well. Yeah. And I, I am an analyst by personality type, so I'm constantly analysing what I've done, where I'm at, how far to go, when the next gel is going to be, and that's part of my whole planning before each event as well. Mm. So it sounds like a really good combination between the two of you. It sounds mm. like a, almost like perfect, you yeah, know, perfect sort of synergy between the two. Dream oh. team. Dream team, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, some runner or coach or inspiring figure you greatly admire. Paul? I'm going to be very general here and say every guide that I run with because they inspire me with what they've done. Lots of them have done lots and lots of events. So Rosie's done lots of very fast running stuff. Some of the others have done coast-to-coasts, they've done triathlons, they've done ultra-marathons, they've done Ironman and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the fact that I can and do always learn from them all the mm-hmm. time as well, and the inspiration to me is the fact that they are prepared to give their time so I can get out and run. Because without them, it would be very boring training on the treadmill trying to train for a marathon. Yeah, I probably w- wouldn't do it. So a general inspiration, all the guides that come and help us at our Achilles, because without them, we couldn't do what we do. Fantastic. Thank you, Paul. And Rosie? Well, can I just go alongside that and say that every athlete at Achilles <laughs> has been a huge right. inspiration to me. Get... I know, if Paul gets away with that, so do I, right? So you do. Yeah, I mean, Achilles is all about supporting people with disabilities and sport mm. and running and events. So absolutely the most inspiring people you can be around. So absolutely. Yeah. So if anyone, because I'm sure there's opportunities here, so if anyone wants to get involved with Achilles, either as a person who might need help or as a person who might like to help, what should they do? Okay, if you just Google Achilles and Christchurch, that'll take them through to our Achilles chapter website here in Christchurch. Um, And then there's, there's contact details on there, or they can go through the Achilles New Zealand website. A lot of resources there, we always do need more more guides. Um, 
but like most things, volunteers come and go, athletes come and go as well. Yeah, great for all of us as, as athletes to have new guides come along, yeah. new people to talk to, new people to find out what their life experiences are and everything else as well. Yeah. And amazing what you can talk with someone about when you're going for a four-hour run. <laughs> it really is, actually. Yeah. 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 They know all my secrets. So. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think it's important to note that both athletes and guides are of all abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So we definitely have people who go for a walk every yeah. two weeks, yeah. and then we've got people that do stuff like pull. So, and yeah. anybody can start from anywhere. When I first started five years ago, I think I'd managed six kilometres the first time I was there, mm. and that wasn't running all the time either. Yeah. But that was partly about not having the right footwear and everything else as well. And so getting the right shoes is important because, um, yeah, we're going to wear ourselves out pretty quickly if we haven't got the right right clothing. Yeah. Share that to Hocus. Oh, sorry. Yes. No, I shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> or, 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 or Brooks that I wear. Or Brooks that yeah. you oh, wear. Oh, yes, true. Paul's got more fashionable shoes than me. All sorts of things. Cool. Paul and Rosie, thank you so much for sharing your journeys, your running journeys and your life journeys with us today. As you said, it's an inspiring example to be part of and to hear and to share. Thank you you so much. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much.